Good morning, everyone. We're in week four of our encounter series, really talking about what it means to encounter the presence and power of God in a life-changing way. This is, this is not about religion. This is about relationship and finding that place in God where we, we get to know him. And I believe that an encounter with God will, will result in conviction. And, and God takes us from conviction to cleansing. And cleansing to commitment and from commitment to commission. Where we can, we can move in, in, out into what God has called us to do. We talked last week about being filled with the power of God. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And how that was a, a pivotal moment in the new church and as it began to form and it was like the birthplace or birth time of of the church when it when it became empowered and released and through that empowering of the holy spirit they turned their world upside down we need god he is our prize he is our focus finding god and encountering god is just at the heart of christianity and who we are he is our ultimate purpose and we find that in him and though I've already said this God God actually seeks us as much as we seek him and want to encounter him and that's an incredible and powerful thought even of itself that the creator of the universe would desire to have relationship with us and relate and really reach out to us in a powerful way so I've been focusing on this idea of encounter encountering God encountering his presence that, you know, that personal, spiritual, experiential time and moment when we, when we find him in, in that way. But I want to take it a step further this week. I want us to, to consider this idea that encounter, encounter with the presence and power of God will result in revelation. And when I say revelation, I don't mean that the last book of the Bible I mean a revelation where, we, where he reveals himself to us and we actually know him in a powerful way. The light comes on, the penny drops when we really get it. In the time of the very early church, the Apostle Paul was, was traveling around and, 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 and speaking and, and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, the non-Jews. It was his, his focus, is what God had called him to do. And... We, we read in Acts chapter 17 that he was in Greece, in, in that country. And so when he was there, we can read in Acts chapter 17, he's interacting with them. And, and verse 22 of Acts 17 says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Paul addressed and was addressing a very spiritual group of people. They were very religious. And he, he approached them with a point of clarification. And, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, that God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, this is the and in truth part. 
Paul was saying, like, you're, you're religious, but you're missing the point because you don't know who you're worshiping. God wants, to, wants us to know him and to be known by him. It's not just spiritual. It, and it's not just experience. It's, it's not just a feeling. It's not just a passing moment, but a revelation of who God is. A revelation of who God is. After, after the disciples had been with Jesus for, for about three years, they, you know, they'd been traveling with him. They, he'd been teaching them. He'd been discipling them. Jesus asks them a rather strange question. And, and we pick this up in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is saying, like, you know, crowds are gathering around. They're interacting with me. Like, what's the word on the street? Who do the crowds say that I am? What's, what's the general consensus? Like, what are people saying about me? And then in verse 14, it says they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All of which were dead, by the way, which makes it a little strange if you ask me. But then Jesus gets to the point. He says, what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and this is the, classics, the classic moment when Simon Peter gets it. It's like Simon P Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by, the fle by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Peter gets a revelation of Jesus. And Jesus is quick to let him know. It's like, that was a divine moment for you. That was divine revelation. It was God that showed you that I am the Messiah. See, you may be wondering why that's important. Well, it matters because when we get a sense of who God is, it actually helps us to get a sense of who we are. A.W. Tozer a theologian and a God chaser and a lot of other things. He said, he said this, much of our difficulty in seeking Christians um, stems from our unwillingness to take God as he is and adjust our lives accordingly. We, we insist upon trying to modify him and to bring him nearer to our own experience or our own image. He, it's like Tozer saying, it's like, we have a tendency to want our faith, to want our beliefs, to want our actions, to want our plans, to want our images of God to, to fit with what's comfortable with us instead of to know him for who he really is in his own right. I know that stings a bit, but it's true. We, we tend to want to make God a comfortable thing for us as opposed to really explore who, who he is. We, re, we read earlier in, in Matthew in chapter 13 of an encounter that, that people had with Jesus in his hometown that illustrates the importance of our perception of who God is. These, these folks were encountering Jesus. And if we pick it up in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, it says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and, and they were amazed like, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? 
Isn't this Mary, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they, and they took offense to him. They took offense to him. They, they had encountered Jesus, but they failed to see the significance of who he really was. They needed a revelation. They needed to, to get past what they already knew. To them, he was too familiar. He was, he was just a good moral teacher. He was, you know, a carpenter's son. His, his brothers and sisters were there and, and they knew them. So for them, there was a sense of, of they had an encounter with him, but they didn't really know him. So when we think about that, in our quest for an encounter, and in quest, even a quest for an encounter with Jesus, let's be people who seek God for who he really is, not who we want him to be for us in any given moment. And let's allow that encounter with who he really is to change us. In keeping with the journey of Peter, we have the account in Matthew chapter 17 of, of Peter, John, James, and John uh, seeing Jesus in a very different way. And this, this story is often referred to as the, the transfiguration. And uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 17 as well as some of the other gospels. But I want to pull it out of Matthew 17. And it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His, his clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, uh, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. Uh, if you wish, I'll put up three shelters. Uh, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> Classic moment for Peter. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. He said, get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. So he was, he was Jesus, son of Joseph, the carpenter. He had brothers and sisters. But with this divine encounter, Peter, James, and John saw him as Jesus, the Son of God. They had a revelation of who he was. They heard from God himself that this, this was Jesus, Son of God. Now, Peter had already stated that Jesus was the Messiah. We, we read that in the chapter before. But this encounter... This, this resulted in a, great, a greater revelation of who God was. This was something deeper, something more um, impacting on him. And, and it was so impacting that when they saw him, they fell down to the ground. They fell at his feet. And Jesus' response was, rather than to grind them into the dirt, was to come to them and, and assure them and receive them. And to lift them up and to tell them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now that reminds me of another encounter that, that John would have later on in his life with, with the glorified Christ after Jesus had been 
been uh, crucified, buried, and, and ascended to heaven. Um, John was, was exiled on the island of Patmos, and, and he's writing in the book of Revelation about an encounter that he had with Jesus. And, and we read in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, where, where John describes this vision of Christ that he has, and it's, it's incredibly impacting, and it's, you know, it's out of this world, so to speak. And in verse 17, the, the very next verse, it says, When I saw him, this is John speaking, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and hell. And again, this is an impacting encounter with Jesus. I mean, John falls at his feet as though dead. And again, Jesus' response is to reach down to him in that fallen state and to lift him up and to, to restore him and to say, do not be afraid. And he explained who he was. He says, I'm the Alpha, the, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I am the risen one. I'm alive forevermore. It was a revelation of Jesus and who Jesus was to John. And there are so many examples of this in the New Testament. We see it happen over and over again. The Apostle Paul's conversion is, is one of those stories. It's, it's a powerful testimony of, of the power of a revelation of God in Christ. And I don't have the time to go into the whole story, but, but Paul, he was, he was opposed to the church in those days. He was, he was actually persecuting it and, and, and trying to destroy the church. And that's how his approach was until he had this moment where, where he, Jesus just encountered him in such a powerful way. And Paul asks, like, who, who are you, Lord? And Jesus' answer was, was that he was Jesus, the Messiah, the one that, and the one that Paul was persecuting. And, and it changed him forever. It changed everything for him. And if we look in Acts chapter 9, verse 2, you know, after this description of Paul's conversion, it, this was what Paul began to do. It says in, in Acts 9, 20, and once, at once, this is Paul, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and they said, wait a minute, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem uh, among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Paul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. It's, it's a story of revelation. It's a story of transformation. It's, it's a story of an encounter that impacted Paul in such a deep, powerful way. I mean, that man, Paul, he, he, he wrote letters to, to churches all over the, the Mediterranean world, these churches with, that he had started from his missionary journeys. And those letters we, we've compiled and have, they, I mean, they make up almost half of our New Testament, the writings of this man from this encounter with Jesus and this revelation of who he is. He became the one who promoted the very thing he was trying to destroy because he had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I would be pretty safe to say that there's not many of us here, there's not many of us as part of this, this service this morning that, that have experienced maybe the blinding lights that, that Paul did, that maybe they've, there's, I would question that there'd be very many people here that have heard the audible voice of God from a cloud. And 
I, I, there's probably not very many that have had a supernatural visitation or a supernatural vision to the extent of, of John on the Isle of Patmos or the experience that Peter and, and James and John had at the Transfiguration. But that does not diminish the power of divine revelation. That does not make our encounter with God any less real. God can be found, and I would argue that God desires to be found and to be known. So when we think about God and we think about encounter and we think about the spirit of God and we think of our relationship with God and, and where that all comes together, let's approach God humbly and openly desiring to, to encounter him as he is and for that encounter to change who we are, not encounter him as we wish he was and try to change him into what we think he should be. Let's, let's be people that dig into scripture, God's written word, with the intention of knowing God, not just knowing about God. Let's take time to digest it and get into it and, and, and ask ourselves, what does this say about me and what does this say about God? And let's be willing to spend time in prayer and reflection, laying our hearts open before God with the intention of him knowing us, us knowing him, and through that us being changed for the glory of God. John chapter 20, verse 29 says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. In the Amplified Version, it says, Blessed, happy, spiritually secure, and favored by God are they who did not see me and yet believed in me. Blessed, happy, spiritually secure, and favored by God are they who did not see me yet believed in me. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're listening to this this morning, and you don't believe. Can I encourage you this morning that there is a God, and there is a God that, that loves us and loves the world, and desires to have a relationship with us that transforms our very existence. That God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there could be a way made for us, broken people, to be restored in a relationship with a heavenly God, a holy God, who desires to have a relationship with us. There's, God is reaching out to us. He died, Jesus died to take our sins away. Jesus died to be able to cleanse us so that we can approach God, so that we can have that relationship that he desires and that we desire. It's, it's really as simple as recognizing our broken state, recognizing our own sinfulness, coming to God and asking for that forgiveness, repenting, which is turning away from that way of life the best we can. We turn away from that and we turn to God and say, God, I want you to be my savior. I want you to lead me. I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. I need you, God. I recognize my sin. Please forgive me and accept me as your own. 
The scripture promises that God will indeed accept us, that God will indeed cleanse us from all righteousness, and he will make us his daughters and his sons. If you want to do that this morning, if, you're, if this is the time and you're like, yes, I want to be a son or a daughter of God. Yes, I want that salvation. Yes, I recognize that I'm broken. Can we just take a moment and pray together? You can repeat after me. It's just a simple prayer, but it's a profound prayer if it's said from the heart. Dear Jesus, I come to you recognizing that I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. God, I thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Make me pure. Make me whole. Make me right before you, God. I accept, Jesus, what you've done for me. And I thank you that you accept me. I want to follow you all the days of my life to the best of my ability. God, go with me now in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe if you pray a prayer like that, something similar or that prayer, that God is right there and so ready to receive you as his own. If you did that, if you prayed that prayer or, or something similar, let us know. You can even mention it in the chat or you can go to our website, faithhalifax.org. And under the Faith Next tab, there's a place there where you can indicate that you accepted Jesus. And we just love to contact you and, and just encourage you and, and walk with you as, and give you as much help as, as you'll let us give you. For all the rest of us here this morning, I also want to pray for us. I want to pray for us for that sense of revelation of who God is. That, that encountering God will, will go from beyond just, just meeting or just a feeling or, or just a moment, but that there would be such a sense of, of revelation. So I just want to pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to encounter you. God, that you... you your heart is towards us, and God, you want to be found. In fact, you reach out to us. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of encountering you through your spirit, through, through worship, through, through so many different ways that you make yourself known to us. God, Lord, we also thank you that as we fall at your feet, Lord, as we, as we get a revelation of who you are and your incredible holiness, Lord, and as we, as we fall before you, we thank you that you receive us there, and you lift us up, and you make us right. And, and I just pray as Paul prayed over the Ephesian believers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us and the riches of his glory and the inheritance of his, in his holy people. And his inc incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power that is the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rulers and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. God, we just pray that you would reveal yourself to us. You would show yourself to us. God, that we would know you, just not know about you. And God, as we approach you as a holy God, as you are, Lord, help us to get a glimpse of your glory. And God, may it transform us. May it empower us. May, it give, may we be secure in that and steadfast in that as our Savior and as our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, in response to that message, we're actually going to go into a time of communion. And Pastor Corey's going to lead us in that. And, and again, it's another incredible revelation of who God is. The lamb that was slain, the, the sacrifice for us. So give, give Corey your attention as we, as we do communion together. If you, you don't have your, your emblems together yet, um, you go ahead now and grab the juice and the bread or the crackers or whatever you've got in your home. And uh, we're going to in, into a time of communion right now. God bless you.